This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Good morning and welcome to the house of the Lord. Today we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord, that glorious moment up on the mountaintop when our Savior's glory as the Son of God came shining through his human flesh and blood. May we find in him the glory we need for now and forever as we worship him today in spirit and in truth. Our first reading and our sermon text this Transfiguration Sunday, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah was traveling with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? Then he said, yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? He said, yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here because the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Then 50 men from the sons of the prophets came and stood and watched them from a distance while the two of them were standing at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, folded it together, and struck the water. The water divided to the right and to the left. Then the two of them crossed on dry land. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask me for whatever I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Then Elisha said, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. He said, you've asked for a difficult thing. If you see me being taken from you, it will surely be yours. But if not, then it will not. While they were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire came and separated them. So Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. The word of our Lord. Our first reading and our sermon text this Transfiguration Sunday, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah was traveling with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? Then he said, yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. 
Then the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? He said, yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, because the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Then 50 men from the sons of the prophets came and stood and watched them from a distance while the two of them were standing at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, folded it together, and struck the water. The water divided to the right and to the left. Then the two of them crossed on dry land. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask me for whatever I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Then Elisha said, Let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. He said, You've asked for a difficult thing. If you see me being taken from you, it will surely be yours. But if not, then it will not. While they were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire came and separated them. So Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. The word of our Lord. In the name of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my dear fellow redeemed. They are hoping that tonight is the night when they will grab the glory that they've been hoping for, working for, striving for all season long. A Super Bowl championship. I wouldn't be at all surprised if players for the 49ers and the Chiefs didn't sleep real well last night. After all, tonight they're playing for football's ultimate glory, the Lombardi Trophy. Have you ever had a moment of glory in your life? A moment or a day or a period of time when you finally arrived at something that you've been working for and waiting for and hoping for, and, and maybe one of your loved ones pointed at you and said, look at you, you're really in your glory, aren't you? Today is all about glory. A glory that is infinitely more important than gaining any Super Bowl championship, a glory that is infinitely more important than any glory that you'll experience here on earth. The amazing brightness of the Lord Jesus Christ came shining through in all of its brilliance on that first transfiguration day. That moment of glory was witnessed by the man who is at the center of our text this morning, the prophet Elijah. Today, as we give some thought to this account from 2 Kings chapter 2, may Elijah's ministry and the experience that he had there on the Mount of Transfiguration bless us as we consider together a real glory. Elijah, of course, was the Lord's called prophet. He ministered to Old Testament Israel. He was God's man to carry out ministry back then, and Elijah saw, and Elijah was part of some remarkably glorious things during his ministry. Let's, let's recall some of them. Earlier in his ministry, there had been a massive drought, and that drought led to famine. 
So the Lord sent his prophet Elijah to the home of a widow who lived in the city of Zarephath. And when Elijah asked her for something to eat, this was her heartbreaking answer. She said, I have no food except a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a pitcher. See, I'm gathering a couple of sticks so that I can go and prepare it for myself and my son so that we can eat it and then die. Remember what Elijah said? Elijah said to her, okay, first fix me something to eat. Because the Lord had revealed to him that as long as that famine continued, her jar of oil and her jug of flour would not run out. She would always have something left until that entire famine was over. So she made him a meal. And sure enough, day after day, as she scooped out some flour and poured out some oil, there was always enough for the next day. An amazing miracle, the glory of God on display in Elijah's ministry. Well, sometime later, the widow's son died. The Bible says that Elijah took that little boy to an upper room and he prayed to the Lord three times and then he stretched himself out on the boy and lo and behold, the, bo- the boy's body came back to life. He began to be- get warm, began breathing again. Elijah, the Bible says, took him downstairs to his mother, completely healed. Amazing glory in his ministry. The Lord, through Elijah, had raised that widow's son back to life again. Or what about that showdown that happened at the top of Mount Carmel, remember? The king at that time, the most vile, the most wicked, the most idolatrous idolatrous king that Israel ever had, King Ahab, and his wife, wicked Jezebel, were promoting worship of the false god, the idol Baal. So Elijah decided to challenge the 450 prophets of Baal to a showdown on Mount Carmel. They would build an altar, and they would pray to their god, and Elijah then would pray to the Lord, and whichever god answered by raining down fire on that altar would be proclaimed as God. Well, the prophets of Baal wasted their time all day long, praying and shouting and dancing, even slashing themselves until the blood flowed, praying to their non-existent deity, but nothing happened. And so Elijah stepped up and he asked that they would drench that entire altar with water three separate times, and they did. There was water everywhere. And then Elijah just spoke a quiet, humble prayer to the Lord. And the Lord sent fire on that altar, a fire that completely consumed everything on it, the altar itself, and everything around it. The amazing glory of God on display. And then there were the events of our text. Elijah's getting ready to hand off his prophetic ministry to his understudy, Elisha. And somehow the Lord had made clear to them that Elijah was going to leave this world of sorrow and be taken home to heaven. And so Elijah is making one final visit to Gilgal, then to Bethel, and then to Jericho. They go to visit the schools of the prophets, what you might call the the seminaries back in the Old Testament days. There, there were prophets who were studying for ministry. 
Elisha insists on going with Elijah every step of the way, spending every little moment that he can with the prophet. And they came to the Jordan River. And Elijah folds up his cloak, strikes the water, and the water divides. And Elijah and Elisha pass over the river on dry ground. But the Lord wasn't finished. We're told, while they were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire came and separated them. So Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Real glory. Amazing, right? Death and taxes. So they say that those are the two things that we can count on in life. I don't know if Elijah ever had to pay taxes, but I do know that he never died. He was gathered straight to heaven's glory in a whirlwind. You know, when we think about Elijah's life and ministry and the amazing glory that he witnessed, it might begin to seem to us like we just can't relate. I mean, his life was filled with one dazzling display of God's glory after another. In our lives, by comparison, pretty vanilla, right? We wake up, we go to work, we come home, we get something to eat, we do a few things, we watch some TV, we go to bed, we wake up the next day and do it all over again. Elijah, real glory. Us, well, You know, for all the amazing things, though, that Elijah saw and was part of, I think he was more like us than we might realize. So much so, in fact, that right after that showdown on Mount Carmel, Queen Jezebel took a vow that she would hunt Elijah down and kill him. Remember what Elijah did? He ran away. He plopped himself down under a broom tree. And he prayed this. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. See what I mean? This great man of faith struggled with moments of doubt and fear, confusion, depression, frustrations, angry with God, disappointed in the way that the Lord was handling things, or in Elijah's opinion, not handling things. Now that we can identify with, right? Think about our fears, our doubts. The truth of the matter is that those don't just make us human. They expose our sinful lack of trust in the words and promises of our mighty God. They give evidence of the times that we have refused to take up his word and to believe his promises and to cling to them with all our might. Instead, we find ourselves plopping ourselves down on our own little broom trees in life and and we sinfully say, look, Lord, I've had it. So maybe Elijah isn't so different from us after all. 
So now we fast forward from Elijah's day, several hundred years, to Transfiguration Day, and we meet up with Elijah once again. Peter and James and John are there, and they are awestruck. Jesus' glory as the eternal Son of God comes shining through. His face and his clothes start to shine as brightly as the sun. Amazing glory. And Elijah is there, along with Moses. They're on a brief furlough from heaven. And the Bible says that they're talking with Jesus. About what? Did Moses step up and say, you know, I remember that time when I stood there at the Red Sea and I gave the command and the waters parted and we crossed over on dry land. I remember getting up in Pharaoh's face and telling him over and over again, let my people go. Or was it Elijah saying, you know, you should have been there, Moses. This little boy had died, and, and I prayed three times, stretched myself out, and the little boy came back to life. What a miracle God worked through me. Is that what they were talking about? No. Luke's Gospel says this. They were talking about his departure, which he, which Jesus, was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. They talked with Jesus, about what Jesus had come into this world to do. They spoke about his upcoming death on the cross, where he would take away the sins of the entire human race, including our sins of not trusting the Lord in his ways as we ought, of not paying attention to what the Lord says as we ought, of not giving God the glory with our lives as we ought. They spoke about the Savior's coming departure, his suffering, death, and resurrection. Why? Because that's, what's God, that's what God's word and that's what their ministries were all about. Not the amazing wonders that they performed, but about the God who stood behind them all. This Messiah, this Christ who stood there shining with heavenly bright glory, he's the one that their ministry is all about. He is the one who has real glory. He's the one to whom they pointed. He's the one whom Moses and Elijah needed just like you. He's the one who had brought Moses and Elijah to heavenly glory. You know why? Not, not because of anything they did. They were brought to heavenly glory for the same reason that you will be and that I will be too. Because they were recipients of a gift from God, his undeserved love. You know, Elijah never died, shuttled directly to heaven, never tasted death. God took him directly home. And the question that begs to be asked, I guess, is why? He was a prophet of God. That wasn't the reason why he never tasted death. There were plenty of other prophets. They all died. Well, he boldly proclaimed the truth. So did lots of others, and they eventually died. Elijah stood steadfast in the face of idolatry and proclaimed the true and living God. So did many others, and they died. I mean, it wasn't Elijah's ministry or his courage or his faithfulness or anything that Elijah had done that earned him the right to escape death and to be taken straight to heaven. It was only because of the real glory of God's grace. 
Elijah entered heaven because even though he never tasted death, Jesus did. Jesus understood that he would bring real glory by going to the cross. Jesus understood that he would bring real glory by being the world's sin bearer. We have no power to escape the eternal death that our sins have earned. The real glory of the gospel is this wonderful truth that Jesus earned the right for us to escape hell's forever death and instead to enter heaven's forever glory. Winning the Super Bowl. I'm sure that's going to be a moment of glory for the winning team tonight and its players and coaches. But it is nothing compared to the real glory that we know from our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he was part of some really glorious things and saw some amazing glory, if he were here this morning to talk to you, I'm pretty sure that Elijah would tell us that nothing, nothing compares to the glory of heaven. And that nothing compares to the glorious way that that glory was earned for us, and that's by the cross of Christ. Sure, Elijah's status as a special man of God is undeniable. His miracles, the way he departed from this world, flaming chariots and flaming horses whisked away to heaven in a whirlwind, they'll testify to his ministry. But there in the Mount of Transfiguration, that special man of God had the even more special job of supporting and encouraging the world's only Savior. And he understood that Jesus is the one who possesses real glory. He is the one who would go down from that Mount of Glory only to go up another mountain called Calvary to lay down his life so that he could open up the gates of heavenly glory for sinners like us to enter in. And that, friends, is real glory. Amen. Amen.